Chapter Seven of Save the Girls by Mason Long. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Life of a Fallen Queen From a Palace to an Alley and Then to an Insane Asylum. Of all human beings, the professional prostitute is certainly the most miserable and wretched. Her life is a living death whose horrors it would require an abler pen than mine to portray whether she be the inmate of the gilded palace of sin with its rich oriental carpets its luxurious tapestries and upholstery its frescoed walls and ceilings its costly chandeliers and stately mirrors and ravishing pictures or whether in an humbler abode she sells her soul and body for paltry pelf and sins and suffers amidst the accompaniments of penury and want or whether in the last stages of her hopeless existence even the miserable boon of this humble abode is denied her and she wanders up and down the streets and alleys in rags and hunger craving food and drink or the stupefying drugs with which she is wont to dull her whetted senses and bring rest to her jaded form whether in the prison cell or the madhouse or shuddering upon the bank of the deep cold river into which she is about to make the final plunge the fallen woman is the most wretched the most miserable the most degraded of all god's creatures her home if she has one is a charnel house full of woe her body is racked with the pains and the torments which are as sure to follow a life of dissipation and debauchery as night is to succeed day her conscience long blunted and warped and seared by her life of degradation is occasionally awakened to torture her with its reproaches and embitter her life with premonitions of the terrible eternity of blackness and woe toward which she is rapidly and surely drifting her mind is filled with remorse over her past life and a horrible dread of the future hating herself she is loathed and despised by others most women after they have chosen a vicious life fall to even a lower depth than is ever reached by the most degraded men they plunge into the wildest excesses are guilty of the most terrible blasphemy and obscenity pride themselves on their shocking wantonness and recklessness which are oft-times exhibited with a brazenness and bravado that make even the most hardened and depraved of their male associates shudder after a woman has crossed the line she in a majority of instances cherishes for a time the hope of reform and keeps herself within some limits of outward decency and decorum so long as that hope remains she is careful to stoop no lower than compelled to by her dreadful calling but let that hope be once taken away let her once imbibe the idea that there is no chance for her in this life and no salvation for her in the life to come and she throws aside all restraint and plunges as deep into the vortex of vice and shame as it is possible for a human being to go it is said by those who have made the most patient and thorough investigations into the social evil in our large cities that in most instances the women who reach the very lowest stages of depravity are those who have fallen from the highest pinnacles of modesty and virtue the reason for this is obvious the women who have been reared in an atmosphere of vice and profligacy enter upon their wretched careers at an early age 
when they are already so calloused to sin that they escape those awful reproaches of conscience those terrible pangs of remorse those harrowing recollections of the past which crowd the brains of those who have enjoyed the happiness of a pure and refined home who have possessed the love of father and mother of brother and sister who have known and experienced the sweet delights of a life of modesty and chastity and the surroundings of refinement affection and religion hence the latter when once convinced that their cases are hopeless try to hush their consciences and drown their sorrows by delving into a mad whirlpool of revelry and dissipation they seek relief from their torturing thoughts and lacerating recollections of the past in the bottle when the bottle fails morphine and opium are brought into requisition until at last their constitutions hopelessly shattered by the severe strain put upon them by their heated feverish unnatural lives succumb and they become inmates of a madhouse or a hospital and ere long fill a nameless and dishonored grave or if perchance life survives health and reason they themselves seek the solace of the tomb and with poison or a pistol end their terrible careers or mayhap the dark silent waters of some great river receive their wasted bodies and blot out the lives that nature had intended for ornaments to society and honors to their sex the average life of a fallen woman is but seven years but what an eternity of woe and wretchedness is not comprised within them the elegant houses the costly dresses the splendid carriages the fragrant wines in which the most fortunate of these women revel for a year or two are only so many reminders of their degradation so many witnesses to their loss of everything that makes life precious to a woman the assumed enjoyments and pleasures of these creatures which have dazzled and misled so many young people of both sexes are the reverse of real they seek self-forgetfulness at the theatre on the race-track and at other resorts much frequented by their kind but the oblivion which they crave never comes in this world save it is brought by the wine-cup or the narcotic one day as i was passing along a chicago street i overheard two young girls modest and ladylike in appearance discussing the handsome dress and splendid carriage of a queen of the demimonde who was just passing by one of the girls thoughtless and frivolous actually envied the outcast in her velvets and diamonds and lamented that she too could not enjoy such luxury without work alas poor ignorant girl you knew not what you said better a thousand times better that you be clothed in rags all the days of your life that you toil for a beggarly pittance until life shall end better a thousand times better that you do all this than that you purchase diamonds and velvets and carriages at the fearful price paid by the lost woman whom you have just been envying the horrors of the house of shame can only be hinted at in such a work as mine within those walls are enacted scenes which cannot be described or even imagined but which prove to what 
depths of bestiality and degradation lost human nature can sink the story of blanche bennett which has been told in nearly every newspaper in the country is a strikingly correct picture of the lives of many many thousands of the fallen sisterhood blanche bennett like so many of her class is now waiting the end an inmate in an insane hospital she was found recently in a st louis alley surrounded by negroes and to the policeman who deemed it his duty to remove her to a place of safety she said that her name was mary miraculous no one could have recognized in the wretchedly clad unwashed stolid stupid-looking maniac in her prison cell the young woman who ten years ago was a belle in cincinnati her father was known as the prince of insurance men was reputed to be worth one million dollars and lived with his family in clifton the world-famed suburb of the queen city the fates given at bennett palace were events to be remembered for years the father dearly loved the girl and spared no expense upon her education sending her to a fashionable convent from which she emerged a highly finished young woman she was an expert french scholar a fine singer of very pleasing address and the life of the social gatherings at her father's palace cincinnati was startled one morning by a rare scandal blanche bennett had eloped with a young man named fraser who was penniless and without valuable social connection the young couple went to chicago they did not live happily and in less than three months chicago was regaled with the racy details of a divorce suit blanche was very pretty at this time and after the divorce was obtained she found no difficulty in securing a large number of sympathizing male friends she drifted to st louis when in the very heyday of her womanhood and became at once the sensation in the world in which she chose to move a well-known saloon-keeper in that city took her from a house of ill fame and supported her in princely style for a long time but her false and feeble nature led her to be untrue to this man and she became the mistress of a young man of fortune and sporting proclivities at this period in her life she began to drink heavily and to take morphine her mind one of the brightest of the bright became unsteady and she attempted suicide one day her friend had her removed to the insane asylum when released she made her way straight to this young man and after making an attempt upon his life shot herself in the breast in his presence after that her decline was rapid her mind grew cloudier day by day her wardrobe once worthy of a princess was replaced by the cast-off clothing of negroes and she has walked through the streets of st louis the most miserable and pitiable of wrecks people who knew her years ago have passed her on the street without dreaming of her identity shortly after her elopement her father met with financial reverses and was utterly ruined then the world openly talked about what it had suspected for a long time and that was that the mother of the girl 
a glorious-looking blonde was untrue to her husband and had been long carrying on a liaison with a celebrated minstrel performer the family dropped out of cincinnati history the mother located in chicago and openly went to the bad a son quite a young man of great promise became the companion of dissolute characters and in eighteen seventy six was locked up in jail for stealing the clothing of a friend who had given him shelter and was not permitted to attend the funeral of his mother who was buried at the expense of the women of the town the gray-haired broken-hearted father is now occupying a minor position in connection with the western agency of a great insurance company which he once fairly controlled a sadder story than the above was never put in type and yet there are thousands of blanche bennets throughout the land who have fallen from the high position of queens of society to become creatures of the gutter and the street in james w watson's familiar poem beautiful snow are three stanzas which are supposed to be uttered by such an one as poor blanche bennett once i was pure as the snow but i fell fell like the snowflakes from heaven to hell fell to be tramped as the filth of the street fell to be scoffed to be spit on and beat pleading cursing dreading to die selling my soul to whoever would buy dealing in shame for a morsel of bread hating the living and fearing the dead merciful god have i fallen so low and yet i was once like this beautiful snow once i was fair as the beautiful snow with an eye like its crystals a heart like its glow once i was loved for my innocent grace flattered and sought for the charms of my face father mother sisters all god and myself i have lost by my fall the veriest wretch that goes shivering by will take a wide sweep lest i wander too nigh for all that is on or about me i know there is nothing that's pure but the beautiful snow how strange it should be that this beautiful snow should fall on a sinner with nowhere to go how strange it would be when the night comes again if the snow and the ice struck my desperate brain fainting freezing dying alone too wicked for prayer too weak for my moan to be heard in the crash of the crazy town gone mad in its joy at the snows coming down to lie and to die in my terrible woe with a bed and a shroud of the beautiful snow surely there is not one redeeming feature in the life of a courtesan from the moment she commits her first sin until the grave receives her wasted form not one moment that the mind delights to linger upon not one hour that the wretched creature as she is standing upon the banks of the river preparing to seek rest in a watery grave can look back upon with satisfaction or contentment ah if she has grievously sinned so has she bitterly suffered 
and i cannot close this chapter better than by quoting tom hood's immortal poem the bridge of sighs the most touching pathetic and powerful appeal to the world for charity to the lost sisterhood ever penned by man the bridge of sighs drowned drowned hamlet one more unfortunate weary of breath rashly importunate gone to her death take her up tenderly lift her with care fashioned so slenderly young and so fair look at her garments clinging like cerements whilst the wave constantly drips from her clothing take her up instantly loving not loathing touch her not scornfully think of her mournfully gently and humanly not of the stains of her all that remains of her now is pure womanly make no deep scrutiny into her mutiny rash and undutiful past all dishonor death has left on her only the beautiful still for all slips of hers one of eve's family wipe those poor lips of hers oozing so clamily loop up her tresses escaped from the comb her fair auburn tresses whilst wonderment guesses where was her home who was her father who was her mother had she a sister had she a brother or was there a dearer one still and a nearer one yet than all other alas for the rarity of christian charity under the sun oh it was pitiful near a whole cityful home she had none sisterly brotherly fatherly motherly feelings had changed love by harsh evidence thrown from its eminence even god's providence seeming estranged where the lamps quiver so far in the river with many a light from window and casement from garret to basement she stood with amazement houseless by night the bleak wind of march made her tremble and shiver but not the dark arch of the black flowing river mad from life's history glad to death's mystery swift to be hurled anywhere anywhere out of the world in she plunged boldly no matter how coldly the rough river ran over the brink of it picture it think of it dissolute man lave in it drink of it then if you can take her up tenderly lift her with care fashioned so slenderly young and so fair ere her limbs rigidly stiffen to rigidly decently kindly smooth and compose them and her eyes close them staring so blindly dreadfully staring through muddy impurity as when with the daring last look of despairing fixed on futurity perishing gloomily spurned by contumely cold in humanity burning insanity into her rest cross her hands humbly as if praying dumbly over her breast owning her weakness her evil behavior and leaving with meekness her sins to her saviour chapter seven